if you would, uh, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 17. Matthew chapter 17. If you have a red letter Bible, you can go to where the red letters start. If you don't, it's a little past the middle towards the end. 17, Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Trying to let Kaylin get around here a little bit. But let me... um. Let me go ahead and pray while she's doing that, okay? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be here today. We say... Come and have free reign. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do in any of us and in me, through me, through your word, Holy Spirit, come and do it. Feel free. You have your, have your way. And Lord, we ask that um, you would speak to each of us, uh, whether it's something that I've prepared, whether it's something that I say, doesn't really matter. You can speak to us anyway. Um, and I pray that you'll do that. Speak to our hearts. If anyone needs encouragement this morning, I pray that they'll be encouraged. If you need to bring direction to any, anyone, Lord, if they need wisdom and direction, if they need uh, to know exactly where you want them to go, do that. Lord, if, um, if you need to correct anybody, Lord, you're more than welcome and able to do that too. So Lord, as we open your word together, I ask that you would um, use it to bless us and to Help us in whatever way we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, sweetie. Right, I know some of you guys are master gardeners or been farmers, gardeners for probably most or if not all of your life. Um, and what you have in your hand is, is a seed, is a seed. Um, specifically, and you may, you may have kind of figured if you've uh, glanced at the scripture passage at all or even maybe the title, it's a mustard seed. But I, So I need your help for a minute, especially those of you all who are much more informed about these things than, than I am because um, there have been times in our lives that everything that we have tried to garden or plant have totally failed. And praise God, that's not the case anymore. Thank you, guys. Um, <laughs> But there have been times that, let me tell you, it is, we have killed just about anything and everything that we have put our hands on. Um, so I am not good with seeds, although getting better. Um, but what, what do you do with, tell me about a seed. What, what does a seed contain? What is it, um, what, what do you do with it? You guys who know seeds, Soil, so the 
Thank you. Let me try for the people who are listening. Let me try to repeat. Let me. I'm going to try to repeat that because <laughs> you you said a whole lot there, and I don't know if they were able to catch that online. Online. Um, so Lynn was saying that the seed contains the the DNA in, in the embryo for the for the plant, and that that God has put it in such a really cool package that it's got a ready store of food in there that um, the embryo has to be kind of broken down, and it usually is broken down in such a way with in soil, um, and that the, the moisture in the soil uh, makes it really germinate and start going, and when it, when it uh, starts growing, that, you know, the, that get, gets more food from the sunlight and the soil together. Did I, did I leave anything out? Is that good? I left out the root goes down first. Okay. That's really cool. The root goes first, and then the shoot goes the root goes down and the shoot goes up. Okay, is that kind of like the rain comes down and the, sh- and the flood goes up? Um, so what? So what else about um, what do what do seeds need? What any water, soil, sun? Now um, it's different between you know. I know we've had before like a little raised bed garden. You know, it's like four by four or five by five or, or something like that. That's different than planting uh, 50 acres of corn, right? What, what would be different? <laughs> Not for us. <laughs> we spent lots of time and it still didn't work. Um, but what's different between like planting 50 acres of corn versus like a, a little garden that you have at your house? A lot smaller. A lot smaller. It's more it can, like easier to keep track of the plants. It's also easier to keep the, the weeds in the garden okay. well dealt with. And when it comes to the end of the growing season for corn, <laughs> throughout the fall, like before winter starts, that's when they harvest the corn. There's two, there's two types of corn. We got the kind that's for animals mm-hmm. and the other kind that's edible for humans. Of course, it's grown in the same way as each other. And what happens is you start with the seed, you know, it does all the it's mm-hmm. DNA and all that in it. Yep. And then the roots start, then the top, the, the stem part starts growing, and it takes about four and a half to six months to actually allow the corn to mature to like what we see of corn on the cob in the store. Basically, they have to harvest it yep. to get it to the store. Good. Good, good. Thank you, Josh. Good stuff. Now, Craig, am I leaving anything out as far as a production farm? There's a lot more work to do with the acre compared to by square feet. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more work? Get more harvest. Get more harvest? Let me read this. Let me read this passage. Starting in verse 14. It says, When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and is very ill. But the, the word there actually um, is, 
they, they believe is like epileptic, okay? It, it's actually a, a really funny word. It's like m- moon. I should I should written it down, but it's like you know face of the moon or so. It's but it's they use it for an epileptic, okay? Today we we think lunatic and mental issues is more of an epileptic issue. Uh, and is very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked him, that is, not, not the boy, but and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we drive it out? He said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, everybody have a mustard seed in their hand? Not very big, right? If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, Move from here to here to there, and it will move. And some things will be possible for you. Right? No. <laughs> not? What, what, are, are you disagreeing with Jesus? What? what? No. It says, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't say some things. It says, and some things will be not possible. It will be Nothing? Nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing will be impossible to you. Okay, can, can we say that together? If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say this mountain, move from here to there, it will and Nothing will be impossible to you. Now, if, who has a red letter Bible? Anybody have a red letter one? What what color what color are the letters? Red. So this means that Jesus is the one who said this, right? Do do you think he meant it, or do you think he was just fooling around? How great would it be to live a life where nothing is impossible to you? You know, Jesus, um, the, he comes down from the mount. We're going to, and the disciples, uh, actually a man comes up, and they, he had been discussing uh, with the disciples. And, and when you look at the um, parallel passages in, in Mark and Luke, it's a little bit more expanded. Uh, the, the, the guy had brought his son to the disciples, and evidently uh, there was a discussion uh, when Jesus had come down the mountain with, between the disciples and the scribes, and doesn't say what the discussion was, but it, more than likely it's because, of, well, why isn't this working? The, the guy brought his son to the disciples, and it said that he often had, had fallen into the fire or into the water, and um, that he was, uh, this demon would come over him, and it says that at one point it's a, a mute demon, so he wouldn't be able to speak, and um, this demon would, would cause him to... Uh, really start to try to kill himself, okay? Not, not as in suicide, but the demon would throw him into the fire, which could 
make him make him die or throw him into the water which could make him die and so obviously the this boy his parents really cared about him and were protecting him and and trying to do everything they could to be good parents to this young child in fact they he brought him to to Jesus but Jesus was not there and they brought him to the disciples now Jesus had given the disciples authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick before and something didn't work this time so when Jesus came along the the man went to him specifically and said lord would you heal my son and kind of gave him a, a short version this, this is what's going on and that's when Jesus says what am I to do with you guys it's funny the other day when I, we were sitting around the table one of the one of my girls said Dad, did Jesus ever compliment the disciples? <laughs> and I had to think. I'm not, I was like, hmm, I'm, I'm not sure. He did, he did. He called them friends. I guess that was a compliment. But he oftentimes, it seems like more often than not that he's, he's rebuking them. He's saying, boy, um, this, this perverse and unbelieving generation, how long am I going to put up with you? So he, in, an, in another, in Luke's version, it, it uh, the guy says, um, "Would you help me?" And and Jesus says, "You know, uh, you know, there's a faithless generation." He said, "Well, I believe. Just help my unbelief." And Jesus cures the boy by casting the demon out. And later, the disciples come and said, "Why couldn't we do this? What was wrong here?" And Jesus says, "Because of the littleness of your faith." Now, you ever had that mustard seed? Look at that mustard seed. All right, and in in the time of Christ, the, it was the idea was the mustard seed was the smallest seed available. Okay, we know there are smaller seeds, but that was it was like um, you know an idiom that we would use to to say um, uh, you know faster than a speeding bullet. Okay, right? Are there things faster than a speeding bullet? Absolutely. But, you know, it's like the, as small as a mustard seed. So, because you didn't have, you have so little faith. Now, if you had this much faith, mustard seed, you could tell this mountain. So, what was, he, what was Jesus telling the disciples? You don't have any faith. Everybody say, ouch. Okay, now, everybody turn to your neighbor and you online, you can turn to your, your, your family member and say, ouch. Because how many of you all feel like you can speak to a mountain and it can move? And it can move? Or how many of you all would have no problems with a, someone with epilepsy and a demonic issue, them coming up to you and saying, no problem, we'll take care of it right now. What does it say about your faith? I'm not going to stand up here and go, oh, I'm, I've got to take care of Guys, it's convicting to me. I think about it and I go, mustard seed? You know, maybe, my, maybe mine is the size of a, uh, it's not there yet. But the good news is, 
is that a mustard seed is small and that's all you need. The better news is, is that Jesus gives us, I believe, a way that we can have our faith grow. See, the mustard seed is not just a small seed. But the whole point of a mustard seed, see, Jesus, Jesus could have said, as small as a grain of sand, as small as a little pebble, right? Could he, but he didn't. He said, as, as small as a seed. Idea being, the mustard seed grows into the largest plant. I've seen people say it goes 8 to 10 feet. Birds can land on it. I mean, this is, the idea is, if you will... Use this seed that God gives to you. It will grow. It's not supposed to stay. Maybe, maybe it starts it like this. It's not supposed to stay that way. It'll grow. But the key is if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to what? What does your say? What, what does it say exactly? You will say to this mountain. Which mountain? There was a mountain here? No. Watch. You see, that's why I did this to keep you all interested. <laughs> Go back to the start of the chapter. 17, verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. His garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter said to to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If, if you wish, I'll make three tabernacles here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. I love some of the other versions, you know, in um, the parallel. It says, and Peter didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> it's, what, it's what it says. It's, it's great. Peter, Peter is the one that opens mouth and inserts foot more than anybody else. But you know what? Jesus is okay with that, usually. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Probably directed at Peter. When the disciples heard this, they fell down to the ground and were terrified. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up. Don't be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he answered and said, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah already came, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they wished. So also the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had spoken to them about John the Baptist. So what mountain was he talking about? I believe he was talking about that mountain. The mountain that they had just come down 
where Jesus himself was transfigured before them. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, it doesn't really say too much what was going on with the disciples, why they couldn't cast the demon out of this child. Except Jesus says it was because of their little faith. So we can definitely say faith has something to do with the ability to cast out demons. I believe part of it was, and this is we see this with the disciples over and over and over, is they look at things in the natural rather than seeing them in the supernatural. They oftentimes look at things from the natural only rather than from the supernatural. Like we talked about last week. Okay, there's a, they're in a boat. There's a storm, right? And oh, they, all, they all of a sudden get totally terrified when God is with them in the boat. Don't they know that God is not going to sink his own son, Right? But they looked everything at, at everything in the natural rather than realizing that God who has all power over the storm is, is asleep. Right? This whole passage about the transfiguration is a supernatural passage. Let me, it's, it's full, it's actually jam-packed full of, of symbolism. And let me just unpack a little bit uh, for you. So the, the whole idea of Jesus going up on top of a mountain and taking Peter, James, and John is very much a, a symbol of what Moses did going up on top of the mountain. Right? He went up on top of the mountain. He met with God. At one point, he t- had three people with him up on the, uh, mount, on, on the mountain. When Moses met with God, ends up his face shone. Right? Jesus was transfigured. He was talking to Moses and Elijah, Moses symbolizing the law, the, the lawgiver. He was, um, if you will, mo- there were actually, there were, there were two churches. There's two churches spoken of in the Bible. I don't know if you know this. There's two churches. Uh, if, if you look at the word for church um, in the Greek, ekklesia, it's used in the Old Testament as well. Um, the first church is Moses, the church of Moses, the congregation in the wilderness. The word congregation there is ekklesia. So you've got the church of Moses, and then you've got the church of Jesus. So you've got Moses, who is the, the, the leader. He's the, he's the lawgiver. He's the mediator between um, Israel and, and God the Father, right? You've got Elijah, who is the one who uh, was the, basically the founder of the prophets. So you've got the law and the prophets uh, with Jesus on top of the mountain. And the, uh, the passage in Luke is great because it talks, it says a little bit of what, um, in fact, let me, let's flip over there real quick. I want you to see this. Um, should be Luke 9. A couple books over. Luke 9, um, and let me start in verse um, verse 30. It says, And behold, two men were talking with him. Jesus. This is Jesus up on top of the mountain. They were Moses and Elijah. 
who appearing in glory were speaking of his, and what is, what, is your ver- what does your version say there? They were speaking of his what? Departure. Anybody else have anything else? Boom, bingo. Exodus, the Greek word there is Exodus. Which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Who else had an exodus? Moses, right? The whole, the, uh, Moses went in uh, to Egypt and brought the people of God out. Jesus is going into Jerusalem and bringing the people of God out. But it's a, it's a supernatural thing. It's, it's the people who recognize Jesus, Right? The whole idea there is it's a a supernatural that that they have to recognize because the reality of the mountain is that everything, that the supernatural is more real than the natural. God is the God of the living, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The supernatural is more real than the natural. If you keep your eyes solely on the natural, you're going to miss it. We have, to, we have to be living in such a way that we are focused, we, we are seeing more, we're hearing more, we're listening more, we're, we're spending time more in the supernatural than we are in the natural. The whole, yeah, let me keep on going with this, for this just a second. I'm going to show you a couple other things in, along this line. Because what, what Jesus is doing is declaring himself the prophet like Moses. Have you all heard about that that uh, that phrase before? The prophet like Moses. See, this is so much fun. Um, flip over to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. You'll start to see a little bit more of this. Deuteronomy eighteen. Deuteronomy eighteen, verse fifteen. This is one of the great promises in the Old Testament. This is what um, Deuteronomy 18. Yep. If you uh, if you remember in, in John chapter one, the um, the Pharisees come up to John the Baptist and say, "Are you the prophet?" Right. This is what he's. This is what they're talking about. Another time, Jesus had, had fed uh, a bunch of it was either four thousand or five thousand, and they said, "This must be the prophet." Again, out of John. Um, so 18 verse 15 this is Moses it says the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your among your own countrymen you shall what what does it say you shall what say it Steve you shall listen to him what does what does God say when when oops what does God say on the on the mountain Right? He said, this is my beloved son. What? Listen to him. Are you starting to see it? This whole picture of, of the mountaintop is that Jesus is this, this prophet like Moses. He's not, just, he, he's not just another teacher. He's not just another rabbi. 
He's not just another good guy. He is the one prophetically spoken of. But you have to see it supernaturally. If you just look at the natural, you'll miss him. And you'll miss what God is wanting to do. Let me say one more thing about that and then we'll we'll move on. You notice when he comes down the mountain, it says, uh, Jesus answered, verse 17, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? That's actually a quote from Deuteronomy 32, the Song of Moses. Um, that, that's, what, that's what Moses says, that it would be a, um, a perverted and unbelieving generation. This is the song at the end of Deuteronomy that Moses teaches the people because he said, you guys aren't going to be able to walk with it. You're not going to be able to walk with God. You're going to go do your own thing. So God told Moses to teach him a song so that they will always remember. And part of that song is, uh, part of that is it, it's talking to an unbelieving and perverted generation that goes off and does their own thing. And that's why Jesus comes down the mountain and says, you guys are that generation Moses talked about. But again, what he was trying to do was to bring everybody to the point of recognizing who he was supernaturally. Of course, he was naturally also, but you have to see it with supernatural eyes. If you don't enter into the supernatural, that seed faith, that mustard seed faith, the mustard seed is just a seed. You have to see things supernaturally and know what God's doing. Because that's that's the real. Secondly, I do want to Talk about the listen to him. Listen, listen to him. You know, when um, in, in Luke's version, uh, Jesus ends, um, the, the disciples have come to Jesus and he said, uh, ask, why can't, why couldn't we drive this demon out? And Jesus says, this kind only comes out by prayer. Now, you, you, just, you just heard the story, right? Um, did Jesus pray over the guy? He just commanded, right? He didn't do this. And we, okay, we tend to do this. All right, I'm going to admit, we tend to do this. Somebody comes up and they've got an issue, right? Maybe, maybe you realize, maybe, you, maybe you're really in tune and you've got the first part down. You know that this is a demonic issue that you've got to take care of, all right? You've got the first step. You're good. And you get them. Oh, Lord, would you please take care of this? Would you, would you heal um, so-and-so? And would you, would you bless their life? And would you take this spirit? And would you move it out someplace else? And would you make sure that that never... Hello? Do we do this? Because it doesn't come out by prayer. Only, only by prayer. Did Jesus pray over the guy? No. He commanded. I, and, and it's more emphatic in Luke, I myself say to you this. Go and don't ever come back. But he had prayed before. You see, it's that being in tune with God. 
that you know that you know that you know. Because you've been there and you've been in his presence and, and you know his voice. And it's those times that, that you, have, you have proved in prayer knowing his voice when you get into a certain situation. You don't have to pray about it because you're in tune already. Now, if you haven't been in those times of prayer and you don't know, then you're going to get into a certain situation and you're not going to know what to do. And you're going to start praying and trying to ask the Lord when it's really your time to actually command instead. The listening comes really before the time of actually using the faith. There are times that you need to use the faith, absolutely. But you're not going to know how to use it unless you learn to listen first. And those times can only come from spending time in prayer, knowing what the voice of the Lord sounds like, being led, being led you know, step by step, day by day, knowing that this is what he wants you to do, knowing that when, when you go off the path that you, you, feel, you feel him tug you back, knowing that th- this, is, this is the direction to go. Knowing, oh, he, you can hear him say, oh, I want you to talk to this person, or you can, say, you can feel him pull you back when you start to do something that you shouldn't. It's those times in prayer that you learn to listen. Listen to him. In fact, you've probably heard me say it before. When, when, I'm, when I'm up here preaching, there's three voices I hear. I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay in tune with, um, with two of those voices. <laughs> because I know what I, I've prepared, and so I'm trying to listen to myself. But more than anything, I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. But all, every once in a while, there's this other voice that says, no, don't do that, or don't say this. And it's, it's the devil trying to just kind of get at you. All right? So I'm try, it's sometimes, you know, the Lord will drop things into my heart, okay? And it's that listening. Let me encourage you to spend time in listening prayer. Spend time, a lot of times we just like to get, to get, to the Lord, get with the Lord and talk. And that's good. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times he wants to talk back. And we need to listen. I want to say more about this at a, at a later time. But there is um, there's a type of listening prayer that I'm discovering that is, is a way to go even deeper. Um, that you, you just, you get into the spirit to listen. It's not just sitting quietly, which I've done a lot of that, but it's it's actually engaging in this in the supernatural. So you are listening in the supernatural. You're you're looking in the supernatural. And and I believe here in this country that that's one of the reasons we don't see um, nearly the amount of miracles and healings is because we we're so conditioned for the natural. There's a, there's a spirit of, of, of humanism over the country. There's a spirit of religion over the country that um, it, it really, it, it, it goes back to everything that we can understand is, is focused on the natural only. You know, um, science is great, but also 
if you're all, if you don't if you believe only science, then you're you're missing out, right? Because there's a because God is the one who created it all in the first place, and He's above science. And if He wants to break the rules with science, He can, right? But o- over this country, there's such a, a a humanism that we have to understand everything naturally, and see everything naturally that we miss out on the supernatural. Whereas you go over to uh, like a lot of places in Africa, they see the supernatural all the time, and they, they understand that things have a supernatural origin. So whether it's negative or positive, from demonic or from God, they realize there's a supernatural origin, and they see it, and things happen. But because we don't engage that way, we miss it. So we need to start engaging by listening and engaging in the supernatural. And the more you engage in the supernatural, the more that God will do. And the more you'll see him do. The more faith that you have. And I'm running out of time. The last thing. Uh, verse 12. They're going down the mountain. Jesus, um, they're talking about Elijah coming, John the Baptist. And, and Jesus says, so also the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. He is committed fully to the will of God. Jesus is committed fully to the will of God. Can you imagine knowing that you are going to be put to death? in not too long, and being willfully, willfully going about knowing that that's going to happen. Starting a ministry knowing that it's going to get you killed. Start, let's, let's just put it in natural terms. Starting a job that you know that there is no way that you're going to get out of. It's going to kill you in several years. And yet that is what Jesus did. He was fully committed to the will of God. How committed to the will of God are we? He had the faith easily to cast out this demon that the disciples couldn't. Part of that, like I said, he was engaged in the supernatural, right? He he knew the voice of the Father, and he was 100% committed to doing the will of God. No matter what it cost. Whether it cost him death, whether it, whatever, he was 100% committed to the will of God. How committed are we? I, I'm going to tell you, it's hard to go out and witness it's out, of, I'm gonna, it, it's out of my comfort zone. Now I've done it. I'll do it again. But it's out of my comfort zone to just go up to somebody and say, hey, let's talk about Jesus. It's difficult. I'm not sure you ever get out of that. But how committed are we to doing it? Because that's the will of God, right? For us to, to be a witness for him. It's, it's the will of God for us to spread the good news. It's the will of God for us to live that life. How committed? 
well, I might get rejected. What if, what if I talk to somebody and they don't like it so much that they beat on me? How committed are you? Boy, a lot of missionaries, they used to leave the country knowing that they'd never come back. And they, 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 set, they would set, set out on a ship knowing that there wasn't a return passage. They went anyway. Let me get back to the seed. See, the thing about the seed is that when you plant it, you have to rely on God for it to grow. Especially when you're, when you're planting a big acreage of corn. Around here, I mean, we've, we've got corn where we, we live. I've, I've seen the, the corn all up on top of the hill, up a blue slope. We don't have big irrigation things that come out and, and you know, water everything, right? What happens to the corn and to the hay if there is no rain over the summertime? We go from, from May until the end of August without a drop of rain. What happens to the corn and hay? You don't get anything. Maybe it pops its head out. Then it dies, Right? The thing about the seed and about the seed with faith is you need to listen to what God is saying for you to do. You need to be engaged in the supernatural. You need to be fully, 100% committed to what God wants and then you stick that seed in and realize that's all you can do. And the rest is up to God. What we like to do is we like to stick the seed into the soil and then come back the next day. Anything happening? I don't see anything. Here, you pick it up. Are you growing yet? Put it back in the soil. Cover it back up. Come back the next day. I don't see anything yet. Do you? What's going to happen to that seed? It's not going to work very well, is it? What happens to... What happens when we do that with our faith? That's what we do. We oftentimes, we will we'll, we'll pray for something, pray for somebody. We'll, we'll stand on something because, you know, we're, we're taught to stand in faith, right? We'll stand and then we check back every five minutes. Is, is it done yet? Lord, have you answered that prayer yet? Hello? Am I just talking to me? That's what I do. But what God wants us to do is to be like a farmer who plants it in the ground. Actually, what we're doing, God gave us a, a measure of faith. Really, you know, it's like a measure of grain. He gives it to us. And he expects us to go ahead and, and to give that seed back to him, however he says for us to do it, pray for that person. Speak to that person. Go there. Declare over this person that. Right? 
and you, you deposit it back with the Lord, and then you say, okay, God, it's in your hands. You, you, you bring the rain, you bring the sun, you bring the nutrients. I can't do anything else with the seed. I've given it back. And then that seed grows. And I'll tell you a secret. You want your faith to grow. Your faith grows when you give out more seed. It's really kind of like a, a cup, if you will. When your cup is filled with water, you can't put any more in. But when you dump the water out, you can fill it up again. And what something that really cool that God does is when you dump the water out, not only does he fill it back up, but he gives you a bigger cup. It's kind of like, you know, you give a kid a little kid-sized cup, and they drink it all, and you go, boy, you're really thirsty. Let me give you a bigger-sized cup. That way you can, you can drink more. A lot of times we like to just hold it on to ourselves, right? Oh, thank you, Lord, for this gift, and you just hold it. Instead of giving it out, not realizing if you give it all away, God's going to put it all back in and more. You go, okay, you gave it all. I'm going to give you a bigger cup. I'm going to give you a bigger bank account and a bigger, bigger faith account. And I'll dump it in more. Now, now see, see if you can get rid of that measure. Okay. How many measures of faith are you getting rid of? How much faith are you depositing? You're just holding on to it? You deposit it with the Lord and trust Him that He's going to cause the increase. There's nothing you can do after you do it. It's like Jesus, when He cursed the fig tree, He just walked on. That's how we need to act with our faith. pray together. Lord, I pray that you'll show us. Well, that's my, that's my prayer. We need places where we can deposit our faith with you. whether it's with friends, with family members, right here in town, with, um, Lord, this, this country, it, it, there's so many things that are, are wrong in this country or in the state with this um, uh, legalizing of, of the, the suicide ability Lord, there's a lot that we can't do except listen to you and deposit our faith with you. Lord, I pray that you will give us opportunities to deposit our faith, to use it, to put it into practice. Lord, when we do, I ask that you would 
you yourself would make it grow. Lord, we're, we're like the disciples that, that said, Lord, increase our faith. And you gave the same thing. It's like a mustard seed. Lord, we, all, we may not even have a mustard seed-sized faith right now. Would you give us a mustard seed? At least give us a mustard seed to deposit. And continue to fill. Let that seed grow. Lord, I pray that this week you will give every person listening a chance to deposit their faith with you. Which may mean some difficult times. But Lord, we're going to be committed, just like Jesus, to following your will. Lord, give us that opportunity. And Lord, I pray right now for each person. I bless them in the name of the Lord. I continue to release over this group the anointing to build the family connections, the, the, the koinonia, the, the fellowship community that, that we should have because we are one body. I release that over this this. Um, church, everyone online, everyone here, I release that now. As well, I, I bind every evil assignment from each person, from their family members. Lord, I ask that your blessing would be on everyone. Blessing, provision for the journey, whatever that looks like, whatever is needed health and healing, hope, joy. I release that over each person, and over their, their whole household. Thank you that you've given me the authority to do so. Thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.